Good evening, everyone, uh, out there and online and Facebook and our attendees here tonight. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to be starting tonight with Paul's letter to the Galatians. In Galatians 2.20, just up front, just to share this, we can put this in our heart. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And we have to remember, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Thank God. That's a, that's a precious scripture. Book of Galatians tonight was written to churches established through Paul's first evangelistic efforts, Acts 13 and 14. Paul was writing to them shortly before A.D. 50 and the Jerusalem Council from Acts 15. He was writing to the Galatians to warn them about false teachers who were encouraging them to live under the Mosaic Law. Ah, what is a Mosaic Law? We're going to dig into that tonight a little bit in a little while. There are three key themes to the book of Galatians. Gospel, justification, and law saying it's essential to unlocking our understanding of what Paul conveys to his beloved people, the Galatians. And in our study guide here it says, few books have had more profound influence on the history of the Christian world than Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians almost 2,000 years ago. Justification by faith and freedom from the law is a declaration of independence that Paul tells us there in those six chapters. On Paul's first missionary journey, Acts 13 and 14, he founded churches in southern Galatia, which is central Turkey. On the second trip, he brought them a letter from the Jerusalem Council and confirmed them in the faith, Acts 15, 1 through 16. Again, these are young Christians here in Galatia. New Christians, new uh, Israeli Christians. And he says... The new church was grappling with radical changes and Jewish Christians were rethinking their identity. Now why were they doing that? Jesus and his disciples were Jews. Therefore, after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, the apostles and Jews who became the leaders of early Christians still saw the Mosaic Law, the original law, as binding. Hmm. Their belief that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah was hard to reconcile with the traditional view of an exalted Messiah, especially because Jesus had been nailed to a cross like a common criminal. And they saw that, some of that. So they were kind of wondering what's going on here. The resurrection, however, revived the hope of those followers that as the Old Testament taught, the Messiah would return in power to establish his kingdom. The apostles invited all Jews to share the gift of salvation through faith in their resurrected Messiah and then receive the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that, huh? It says uh, the three key themes of the book of Galatians as we read through it. Three key themes, gospel, justification, and law. It's essential to unlocking our understanding of what Paul conveys to his beloved people, the Galatians. Again, they're talking about Mosaic laws. So, 
what are Mosaic laws? And what did Jesus say about Old Testament laws to begin with? He says, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but what? To fulfill the law. That's what Jesus said. He didn't come to abolish all of those laws. He came to fulfill the laws. So what are we looking at when we say Mosaic laws and Paul goes there to the Galatians, sends him a letter to talk about what's wrong with some Mosaic laws, sounds like, okay? So it says, uh, what are Mosaic laws? And we're going to get into that, right? We have a video this evening. If, uh, if they could start that back there, it's a short video, about nine minutes. Then we'll come back to looking at what are Mosaic laws. The book of Galatians may be the earliest written book of the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Galatia. There are two different views of just who is meant by Galatians, though. During Paul's lifetime in ministry, the Roman Empire had combined two areas that were once separate into the Roman province of Galatia. So politically and commercially, this area of north and north-central Turkey was known as Galatia. But socially, it's likely that only those in the north would have identified themselves as Galatians culturally. In one view, Paul was using Galatia in the proper Roman way to mean all the Christians in the province whom he had visited. According to the book of Acts, he visited several cities in the southern part of Galatia. In another view, Paul was writing only to the people who would have identified themselves as culturally Galatian, meaning from the northern area of the province. From the book of Galatians itself, we know that Paul had visited the Christians that he was writing to. While the book of Acts does not record a visit to the northern areas of Galatia, it's possible that for time and space they were just not recorded. The book of Galatians itself might help us with this issue. The premise of the book is that people had arrived in Galatia teaching that the Gentile Christians must observe the laws of Moses to truly follow Christ. In so teaching, they directly opposed what the Galatians had learned from Paul, and these teachers had apparently tried to undermine Paul's authority in the process. This is why at the beginning of Galatians, Paul gives a defense of his ministry and apostleship. He gives his background of being called by Christ himself, and he records two trips to Jerusalem, one near the beginning of his ministry to visit Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, and another one 14 years later with Barnabas and Titus as the result of a revelation. These two trips seem to mesh well with trips mentioned in Acts, a first trip to get his bearings as an apostle, and a second trip prompted by a prophecy of famine given by a Christian named Agabus. Galatians seems to have been written before the Jerusalem Council that would see Paul travel to Jerusalem for a third time and would authoritatively settle the issue of Gentiles and the law. This also makes sense of why Paul tells of Peter's wavering stance on Gentile Christians. At that point, Christianity was still fledgling, and they hadn't yet gathered in Jerusalem to settle the matter. If this reconstruction is accurate, Galatians would be Paul's first known letter and written around 48 or 49 AD. The book itself is a straightforward apologetic work. It is a defense of the gospel against these teachers claiming that the church must also follow the law. Paul gives a defense of his ministry, reminds them all of why Christians are free of the law and what the law is for, and finally, Paul gives a discourse on how then Christians should live. 
Thanks for watching. Click the playlist on screen now to watch more spotlights. And if you want to read the full article, click the link in the description. You can always go to Bible. Amen. So let's look at what are Mosaic laws. Paul sent the letter to the Galatians. They needed a little straightening out in the area of Old Testament laws as compared to what Jesus gives us in salvation and freeing us from some of those laws. There are three parts to Mosaic laws. Moral, civil, and ceremonial. Said to have been revealed to Moses by God along with the Ten Commandments. The term primarily refers to the Torah. What the Torah is is the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. That's the Torah. And some examples of Mosaic laws, some of them are kind of funny, I guess, but don't embarrass others. Leviticus 19.17, don't take revenge. Leviticus 19.18, don't be superstitious. Leviticus 1926, don't attempt to contact the dead, and that's Deuteronomy 18.11. Don't tattoo your skin, Leviticus 19.28. I'm glad I'm not talking to a group of bikers tonight. I'd be in such trouble. <laughs> anyway, that was one of the Mosaic laws. Do not tattoo your skin. And this says, bless God after meals. I guess after is okay too, after and before. And uh, give charity. That means to give out of your heart. To charity. Bring your tithes into God's house, which is your church that God blesses you at. And then whatever else the Lord has for you to give for charity to do that. Again, we're talking about Mosaic laws. They sound pretty good, a lot of them. Mosaic law was given specifically to the nation of Israel by Moses. Exodus 19, Leviticus 26, 46. In Romans 9, 4. I won't make you put all those up there. Okay, who tonight can share with me laws that we have today in America? What kind of laws do we have that we have to follow? Somebody don't give me a nine. Don't speed. Yeah, you would pick that one. Don't, 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 don't speed. Civil laws. <laughs> yeah, sir? Civil. Civil laws, yeah. And what did you say, Leif? Love, that's a good one. Love Jesus. Anybody else? What are the kind of laws do we have that we have to follow? Ma'am? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. You would mention that one. <laughs> Pay your taxes. That was a good Anybody else? Come on. Yes, sir. Yeah, federal, state, local. Federal, state, local. All these are laws. So then you think to the, the Galatians, Golly gee, why are they, uh, or why is Paul upset about them, you know, confirming the laws and sticking with Mosaic laws? Why is he upset about that? Let's read on a little bit. Paul was deeply concerned uh, that they were straying from the Lord by following the teachings of some who sought to pervert the gospel. We know what that means, don't we? How many have seen somebody out there that's perverting the gospel, saying they're a pastor or a leader, and they're perverting the gospel and preaching something else that God hasn't said and isn't in the Word? And unfortunately, a lot of people got snagged by that kind of stuff. 
What was the, again, what was the purpose of the Mosaic Laws? To reveal the holy character of the eternal God to the nation of Israel. That's the first one. Leviticus 19, verse 2, and 20, verse 7 and 8. Secondly, set apart the nation of Israel as distinct from all other nations. God's country, God's Israel. And then thirdly, reveal the sinfulness of man, Galatians 3.19. Uh-oh. To reveal the sinfulness of man. Paul wrote to the Galatians to establish the significance and importance of the young Christian doctrine. Again, these are young Christians there, over there in Galatia. Okay, there's a couple other scriptures I want to get to tonight that kind of corresponds with some of this. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. And I'm sure Paul took this message to the Galatians when he got there, when he sent the letter. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. How important is that? Well, we do that, we do our job that way, we do our meeting with people that way, and we do it as if we're going to do it to Jesus, and we're covered. For we know that we'll receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the Anointed One. A disciple will be repaid for what he or she has learned and followed, for God pays no attention to titles or prestige of men. There's a good one. And again, these are from my, what's called Passions Bible. It's a real good uh, rendition of the text, of the terms of the Lord put in here. In verse number 5 in chapter 4 of Colossians says, it said, to all of us tonight, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers. How important that is. That they see what we have, that they see Jesus in us and that they want it. And make it your duty to make him known to these people. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace. That's sometimes hard, isn't it? (laughs) And tempered with truth and clarity. For then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. And people will ask about your faith. And we have to be prepared to give the answer that God wants us to give. It's not like, oh, I ain't got time right now, I gotta go to the store. God will put people across our path that he wants us to share Jesus with. Eternity is a long time, folks. And when we start thinking about somebody who steps over into eternity without Jesus, that's it. That's the last chance they have. So it's important to us as servants of God and Christians that we share Jesus on every opportunity we have. Praise God. In our book are three, usually we look at questions. These are three uh, things to share, I think, with all of us as attendees and all of you out listening out there. Number one, we're going to talk about this. Have you or anyone you know struggled with trying to please God through your own efforts. Let's share some of that. Who's got something to say about that? Mm. Mm, yeah. But? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Come on, Lee. 
Have you or anyone you know struggle with trying to please God through your own efforts? No. No? Yes, sir. Bob. Brother, uh, Ernie, I'd like to share an experience I had. Okay. Uh, as we, uh, I believe that every true born-again Christian has a desire to uh, witness for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found myself witnessing, and I was struggling. And I, as I struggled, I thought that I was really, I really messed up is what I thought. Because once I got done witnessing to this person, then all these other thoughts came to my mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really got so upset that I couldn't even, I was, I was beside myself. I go, where was this? Mm. And then, now, you know, then the Lord spoke to me. He said, Bob, I heard of a man that got saved just by hearing something read from the Old Testament that so-and-so lived so long and he died. (laughs) And that's all it took for God Mm. to change that man and save him. Praise God. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, Bob, what makes you think that I need your eloquent speech and all that to change the heart of a person? How do you know that this is exactly what I wanted you to say? Yeah. And from that moment on, however, I was led of the Spirit of God was sufficient. Yeah. I never questioned it. All I do from now, from that day, all I do, still do from that day on is say a prayer over that. Say, Lord, I have planted or maybe I have watered but you give the increase. Amen. And see, we got, Jesus has different ways of doing things. We got to notice sometimes when he was healing, he came by the fellow who was paralyzed and he didn't say, come up here, I'm going to lay hands on you, we're going to pray, we'll have the elders come up. He said, pick up your bed and walk. That's it. That's all it took. But there's something about the presence of the Lord when he's there like that. And another case, a blind man said, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud out of it. He could have said, oh no, don't touch me with that stuff. But the presence of God was there, the anointing was there, and he was healed. Amen. And then there was the brother whose friends carried him to where they thought Jesus was, where, where, the, where he was speaking, the anointing was there, and they climbed up on the roof and dug a hole in the roof to lower this brother down so he could be prayed for. Praise God for that. Sometimes he'll call us to do something like that, whether it's a hospital visit or whatever, whatever he calls us to do to help somebody get closer to Jesus is important. Amen? Yes. Yeah. Before I came into the Church of God Prophecy, I belonged to a denomination that uh, were kind of legalistic, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of a lot of things were like performance-based. Uh, sure, you had to believe in Jesus, but you also had to do this, or you're not saved. Yeah. You gotta follow the holiness standards, or you're not saved. You you have to be water baptized or you're not saved. You have to speak in tongues or you're not saved. 
And uh, I remember one time I was talking to a preacher, and he said, if you don't pray an hour a day, you're backslid. <laughs> well, yeah. I took that to heart. Yeah. See, yes. And when it became a law unto me, it became a burden. Yeah. It became a burden to pray. Yeah. And it took a, a long time before I, you know, I was carrying guilt. I was, yeah. Because I wasn't living up to that law. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we, we can get into little things like that too. Sure. Uh, you know, we can, we can uh, pick up all kinds of things that cause guilt and condemnation when uh, God didn't mean that for us. Know, yeah. to, to carry those little laws around. And so, uh, you know, we can make a lot of laws ourselves, you know, trying to trying to follow Christ. Yep. He didn't mean us for, to have to right. have a bunch of laws. He delivered us from the law. Right. We, we were slaves to the law. Right. You know, we, we just went through Romans talking about how the law, you know, uh, you know it, it was a taskmaster. Slave master. Yep. And uh, Christ delivered us from that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He did. We are saved by simple faith in the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There's nothing we can do to earn that. Nope. (laughs) And when we start, uh, you know, uh, making these little laws that we got to follow, little superstitions, this, that, and the other thing, you know, you're confounding uh, the gospel. You're confounding what God is trying to do in your life. Yeah. Uh, be free. Amen. But, you know, that doesn't mean we neglect following uh, you know, the, the holiness standards. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. No. But they're not a law. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's what we should strive for. Yeah. But if you think you're going to be perfect, then you're going to have a problem because... <laughs> Big one. <laughs> you know, if you think you've got to be perfect to be saved, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to find that, protect, for, uh, that perfection this side of glory. Right. Yeah, and it's something true. to strive for. But when it comes down to the end of the day, we depend on the blood of Christ. Amen. To us. That's Amen. right, brother. <laughs> Amen. So, That's right. So we can't follow law. Yeah. And we got to remember, think about when Jesus picked his disciples, he didn't go to the temple and pick the one of the most phylacteries hanging from his, whatever he wore on his head there. He went and he picked a tax collector, Matthew, who was sitting there taking people's taxes. Now, it never said that that Matthew never could take taxes again. He just said, I want to follow Jesus. He left his collecting of taxes and followed Jesus. Now, he could have been a Christian tax collector after that. We don't know. Then he picked Luke, who was what? He's a physician. He picked Peter, who had a bad temper and liked to fish a lot. Just think of the different personalities that that he picked to follow him. 
Sometimes the enemy wants to make you feel like, well, I can't follow Jesus. I did this, I did that. Just think of them. They weren't perfect. But when God calls you to serve him, what's the number one thing? Yeah, following Jesus. Following him, reading his word. This Bible, the Bible is our GPS. And if we don't use it, we end up in the wrong location. So we need to follow steadily after the Lord. And who uh, thinks that we're in warfare right now? Absolutely. We got to think about Ephesians 6. He left that in there for a reason. It says the helmet of salvation. Breastplate of what? Righteousness. Covered about here with what? Truth. Yeah, truth. And our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of the Lord and the sword of the Lord that he gives us. Amen. Amen. We need that as we enter this. We're in warfare right now in the churches. God is ble- He's blessing this church right now. We have a great pastor. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He brings Amen. the word of God every week. And we have a good staff. Thank God for Brother Dave. <laughs> All the bills get paid. And the word of God gets out. Then we got Brother Bob as one of our deacons. Brother Mark back there. I don't know where he went. There he is. God's blessed us with some good people. So he's getting ready to bring us some more workers. He's got Laith. He's a good brother, loves the Lord. So he's getting ready to do some things. But he's like, like they did with the Mosaic Law. We don't want to look to all those laws. Paul sent the letter to the Galatians. They were blessed by it. Their lives were changed by it. But again, like I said, they had some warfare to do too, I'm sure. And Jesus is saying to us, okay, I'm coming soon. I've chosen you, you're mine, but there's a battle to be fought. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to be responsive to that. We have to read the word. We have to attend church where God puts us. We have to serve him. And fighting for the, for the Lord is, is what we need to do. Yes. I know from my background again, and martial arts, fighting was of the utmost important. And if you didn't train and you didn't work out and you didn't do road work, on the other side of that ring is somebody that maybe did. So the Lord is saying we need to prepare ourselves. We need to spend time in the Word, especially if you're in leadership. Mm-hmm. You need to spend time in the Word so that you have an answer because there's some people out there that don't know the Lord will try and trick you up with everything you can think of. Well, how do you know this? Or uh, why is Jesus sending people to hell? Have you ever had that question asked to you? I have. Why is Jesus would send people to hell? There you go. But see, a lot of people don't know what to say when they ask. Uh, gee, I don't know. Why do? Why would he do that? You know. And those kind of questions, we have to be ready for them, prepared for them, prayed up for them, and ready to serve God. Now, the next uh, question here, but not questions, early statements, I think. Are you surprised to hear that the Old Testament upholds the principle of justification by faith? And why might this thought surprise some people? Are you surprised to hear that? 
Now there's another group of people who throws away the Old Testament. And they only, you know, concentrate on the New Testament, that's it. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't come to change the law. What did he do? Come to fulfill it. Amen? So are you surprised to hear that, that the Old Testament uh, upholds the principle of justification by faith? Are you surprised? Anybody surprised to hear that? Good, we all know. Uh, why might this thought surprise some people then? Who, who has something to say about that? Yes, sir. Exactly, yep. They, they, they just, everybody assumes, but, you know, I think it was Amos that said, uh, the just shall live by his faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there's a, uh, you know, there are little uh, hints about justification by sure. faith yep. uh, throughout the Old Testament. Uh, but most people think about, you know, not working on the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Most people attribute salvation, and I think a lot of the Jews probably did too. Yeah. Most of the Jews would look to the physical uh, keeping of the law for their salvation, and uh, they were hoping that Christ would come, but, but I don't think they really connected all the dots right. uh, about being fully saved uh, by the Messiah. That's interesting. So, Yep. There's yep. only one gospel. Right. <laughs> Amen. The, the gospel of, of the law does not save anybody. It never did in the Old Testament. It doesn't now. And the only way to be saved is through the blood of Jesus. That's right. That's the only way. I had a group uh, that asked to meet in my little church over on Van Dyke there. Asked me to meet on, if they could meet there on Saturdays. There were uh, Jewish Christians, charismatic and they came in there, and I sat in with them the first two weeks to see what they were doing. And the little problem with them was this. They, you couldn't call Jesus Jesus. You had to refer to him as Yahweh or another name or two. Sure. Yeah, Yeshua. And they were so into that part of the law that, you know, I said, how do you guys find peace? They're afraid to say, they can't say Jesus. There's certain things they can't eat. And I, they let me share one week. I shared with them what I felt, and then they're report back to me was, well, where does it say in there to call him Jesus? I says, all over the New Testament. And they said, no, he has to be called by his name, Yahweh or Yeshua. And they had other rules and regulations like that. So uh, hopefully they kind of, they lost some people because of that. And hopefully God has got a hold of them and straightened out their, their thinking on that. But that's a, that's a dangerous thing too because you get so wrapped up in I got to do this. I got where is the mercy and the blessing and the peace that God can give that we need sometime. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Ernie, uh, you know another thing uh, I guess is something I went through is working on Sunday. Mhm. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> Now, 
Sunday, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Working on, working on Saturdays, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Amen, because, well, we're not under law. That's right, now, see? You should be in church, but sometimes, you know, uh, some, sometimes, sometimes uh, life brings uh, a, a job shift that you can't help but, you know. You, can't, you have to do it. That's right. I did too. <laughs> reading the, the Bible myself, well, wait a minute. It's not on Sunday. Right. You know, uh, we, we didn't, uh, you know, the Christianity didn't take the Sabbath day and say, well, let's just change the Sabbath day to Sunday. Yeah. No, they, they made it a worship day because it's the Lord's day. That's right. It's the day that, the, the, you know, uh, attributed to the Lord. And, yeah. You know, and uh, so Christians began meeting on Sunday, but, you know, Yeah. You can work seven days a week. That's right. You know, but uh, I don't suggest that. I don't either. I suggest that you know that you do take uh, yep. a physical Sabbath day, you know, to uh, of rest. Yeah. But we don't have a physical Sabbath day. No. Fact, if you're in Christ, every day is a Sabbath day. That's right. Every Monday through Sunday. <laughs> because the rest is not rest we're looking for is not rest of the body anymore. Yeah. It's rest of our soul. Right. You know, because. Before Christ, our soul was in a precarious situation. Yeah, wasn't it? Because Ooh. we're lost. Yep. We're going to hell without Christ. That's right. When we find Christ. Hey, my my spirit's at rest now. Yep. Amen. I, because I got my reservation uh, for heaven. I know where I'm going. Yep. Amen. I, I'm, I put my trust, my faith, my confidence in Christ. Yep. Amen. I can rest now. Right. Amen. Even though I still got to get up and go to work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, a lot of times we, we have altar calls and people come down to find Jesus. And sometimes churches, we need to take that one step further. Because when they say the sinner's prayer, sometimes a week later, they've forgotten the whole thing. And we've got to impose discipleship on the church as a whole. We've got to start discipling new Christians. Take them to the next step. Take them deeper in the Lord. Because the devil's out there. And he's not playing games now. He's trying to take away churches. He's trying to destroy people's lives. So we got to be in prayer and we got to say, hey, you come up here and ask the Lord into your heart. Our next step is let's you study the Bible. Come study with us. Go out to lunch with me or whatever. That kind of thing. It's important. Okay, number three here. What questions arise as you contemplate the Holy Spirit empowering you to live by faith, what kind of questions would arise? Again, he's, as you contemplate the Holy Spirit empowering you, thank God, to live by faith, what questions arise in your mind? Any questions at all about that? Okay. There you go. Why, why doesn't the Holy Spirit stop me from opening my big mouth yeah. and, and saying something uh, that I shouldn't say or uh, sticking my foot in my mouth? Why doesn't, why doesn't the Holy Spirit just force me to live for God? You know, I'm sure that some of us might have thought about that oh, to yeah. a certain extent. Why 
Exactly. Now, why doesn't he stop me from doing this, that, or the other? Boy, that's, that's a big one. A lot of people go through that one. And I've come to find out that uh, the Holy Spirit does speak. Yes. Even he'll throw those little red flags yeah. up yep. before you get ready to say something or before you get ready to yeah. say something. He'll, he'll throw a little red flag up, but you know, it's, it's, it's a small, still voice. It's not a, he's not going to yell at you. God, God's not going to grab you by the, by the uh, wrist and uh, you know, put handcuffs on you to keep you from doing something. That's right. God will speak to you in that small, still voice. And then after you've messed up you know, and you're kind of sitting there under conviction, and uh, you know you've done wrong, he'll speak to you again. Yeah. You know, and, and, and counsel you. Yeah. On about doing better the next time and about uh, repenting. Yeah. Of what you just did and, and, and getting back up. Because, see, condemnation is designed oh, to brother. destroy you. <laughs> Con- the conviction of the Holy Spirit yep. is designed to pick you back up and get you back on track. Yeah. And, and God will answer. We all remember the story of Daniel. He prayed and fasted for 21 days. The angel Gabriel came to him and says, your prayer was heard the first day, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia, which is a demonic stronghold. He says, Michael came and probably took him out. Michael came and took care of the situation. Then Gabriel went to Daniel with the answer. Now, what would have happened if Daniel would have quit praying about after 10 days? Quit fasting or whatever he was doing besides that. A lot of times the Lord watches to see, you know, are you going to wait on me? A lot of times you say a quick prayer, and if it isn't answered in the next three days, you get mad at God. I know what that's like to go through that. Like, like I said before, when my wife had the stroke, and it was two days after school was out, she'd been teaching 28 and a half years, teaching science, and uh, really a good science teacher. All the kids loved her and everything. And we went shopping at the, the mall at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm checking something under the scanner. And all, I turn around, all of a sudden, she's falling. So I caught her before she hit the floor. And then they called 911. They came with the ambulances, came with the fire trucks. She was in there eight and a half weeks. And I slept in a recliner chair right by her bedside, kind of getting mad at God on the way a little bit. I said, I don't understand this, Lord. You know, she's, she's a good Christian. She loves the Lord. And all that, and all that happened to her. And then on top of that, the school was giving her a hard time because after 14 months of rehab, she wanted to go back to teach. The doctor said, you can do that. You can get around now. She went back to teach, and the new principal, a young lady who had friends, pushed her out. Said, you're too slow now. Your right hand doesn't work like it used to. And that was a battle I had to go through spiritually right then. I said, man, is this all there is? And we lost, well, we lost $112,000 a year because she had double masters and she went to med school. So I had two businesses back then. I had two karate schools, one in Roseville, one in Rochester. I had to close them eventually because she needed care 24-7 for the first five or six years. And it was a battle I had. I didn't, you know, you, you forget sometimes that what you have with Jesus is eternal and that he answers prayer, and that the devil's on the other side trying to do things. So I began to say, okay, Lord, then what do you want me to do? And I started trying to work other things out. I got, uh, I got her guard dog, which is a pit bull, which nobody goes to the house but me. <laughs> nobody knocks on our door. 
she's about 80 pounds. Uh, but little things like that. The, the enemy tries to stop us in our walk with God. How many have ever had that happen? When you have a major thing happen in your life and you start questioning God right away. Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? But when we learn to put all our he said put all our cares or worries on him, doesn't he? And when we start thinking about what is eternal life? Forever and ever. When we step out of this shell of a body we got, we step into eternity. And that's going to be so beautiful, you don't even know what that's going to be like. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And that's what we got a key in on. Yes, ma'am. Can uh, pastor that mic, somebody? I'm sorry, hang on, hon, just a minute so we can hear you. <laughs> you got it? Whoa, there we go. Thanks, brother. Okay, go ahead, ma'am. Okay. A few years back, I went to um, a craft night at my daughter-in-law's church, and uh, they they had different wooden pieces of wood cut in different um, shapes and everything, and they had uh, like kind of like tat tattoo, but kids tattoos that they put on that you stick on and then you take the top off. So I picked out one. I couldn't, I, it was hard to decide what I wanted to say, but I ended up with a, a, a piece of wood about maybe four, five inches wide in height and long enough for this. Just because you can does not mean you should. Oh. Uh. And I think the problem a lot of people have if you do it just because you can, pretty soon, God will just let you go ahead and do it. Boy, isn't that the truth. And oh. you, it won't bother you. Yep. You'll just keep doing it mm -hmm. because it becomes part of your demeanor. Part of your makeup, yeah. Right. So it, pay, it pays. Just because you can do something or say something does not mean it's the right thing to do. Yes, ma'am. You know, Pastor Dave told us here about assuming you know what they say about the word assume no you don't i can't say that <laughs> I'll, I'll skip that one <laughs> okay let's we only got a couple minutes here uh list some areas in your life which your actions might be motivated more by legalism than by the holy spirit can anybody do that can you tag that one? Areas in your life that might be more motivated by legalism than the Holy Spirit. Boy, we're in good shape over here. Well, Brother Harvey, that uh, goes in every aspect of our Christian life as far as uh, uh, living under grace. Yep. You cannot get into a ritualistic uh, form of prayer, Mm -hmm. or ritualistic uh, giving or anything like that. We're living under grace. 
Yeah. Amen. Thank God. <laughs> we, are, we are led of the Spirit of God. And um, there's, there's always, you know, the, the, the Spirit of God has um, something to reveal to us right. all the time. You read one scripture one minute and uh, one time, and then you read another time, you get a totally different, uh, you get a per totally different perspective about that scripture. But uh, uh, one thing I, I, I am glad, and uh, a lot of people argue about, is the paying of tithes more than anything. That's like that brother that took his one talent, he buried it, <laughs> and the rest of them used the talents that God had given them. The actual ties that yeah. in our financial system under grace that people have a hard time yeah. uh, uh, dealing with. Or doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament about I got to pay tithes. <laughs> no. Well, of course it doesn't. No. But. but Mm-hmm. And all for it. Well, they were speaking for back then. No. <laughs> God establishes a financial system. Yeah. How can you argue with it and change it? You can't. You can't. We have appropriated that system because we can no longer give a lamb, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Lord, here's a lamb. Yeah. A ram, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. Here's a ram. A uh, uh, young calf, one, two, three. Right? Yeah. No, we can't do that. Yeah, we always pay our taxes to the IRS so they yeah. don't come hunting for us. <laughs> we go. pay our doctors when we go to the doctor's office. But when it comes to tithes, oh, gee, I mean, I have to pay all this other stuff. That's the one thing <laughs> that God says he'll reward you for. When you pay your tithes and offerings, you're given unto him. You know, you have a house of worship like our church here. We need to listen to that. We need to say, Lord, I need to bless your work. This is his work here. Amen. And uh, even when you get in a pinch, you, you still, you put the Lord first, he'll take care of everything else. He guarantees that in his word, doesn't he? We just have <laughs> a different yeah. uh, system, but it, it's, it's the same concept. Yeah. Yeah. A cheerful giver, and we, we, we pay our tithes and our offerings as a thank you to God with money instead mm -hmm. of, of the, the, uh, uh, the possessions of, of stock and other things yeah. that the, the children of Israel pay tithes. The more we get in trouble, the more we need to do that. So let's say a prayer. We're out of time, I guess. Uh, you folks that are listening in, we want to pray for you before we go. Uh, again, we're here on Wednesday nights at 7 and Sunday mornings.
at 11. We'd love to see you. Come on and join us. We have a, a great pastor who brings the Word of God every week for us. So uh, please come by and visit us. And uh, let's say a prayer before we go. Lord, we, we thank you, Jesus, for tonight. Thank you for Paul's letter to the Galatians. Thank you that the Apostle Paul had a heart to serve, Lord, and he was concerned about Christians as we should be, Lord. So I ask you to bless each one listening in tonight that listened in online on Facebook. Bless them, Lord. Heal their hurts and answer their prayers, Father. And uh, contact us if you need prayer, if, if there's something we can pray with you about. We'll be glad to do that. So uh, God bless you, and we love you all, and see you next Wednesday. Amen.